This is the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where you will learn how to tear down the mental barriers to success and health and build up a stronger you. In these podcasts, Dr. Tim Murphy offers you the tools for recovery and surviving and thriving after trauma. There is a pathway to healing, and he does this through faith and psychology. Dr. Tim Murphy, bringing healing to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Welcome to the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where we combine mental health and faith to build a better you. Today's program is about making a committed choice to build your personal resilience. Do you want to be strong or do you want to be weak? We have a plaque in our kitchen back home that says you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. Well, we never really know when that time is going to be. So, are you prepared? Recently, a father in Maryland stepped out of his house when some adult men in middle school early teens said they wanted to fight his son. The father of three said his son was not coming out to fight anyone. Sadly, the group then beat him to death in the front yard of his own house while his three children were inside. He gave his life to save his children. This is heartbreaking. There is no justification. Now his orphaned children and his fiancée will have the traumatic memories of his horrific death gnawing their emotions, their thoughts, their souls. They will need incredible strength to recover not just from witnessing his death, but growing up without a dad and the months or years ahead of trials for his killers. They will learn just how strong they are. How effectively we deal with trauma depends a great deal on the resilience we build long before the battle. Sooner or later, something is going to happen to you, or maybe it has already happened and you're dealing with the daily battle of traumatic memories. Either way, let's talk about what you need to do now and going forward. Actually, it's what we all need to do, because pretending that trauma will never test our strength is naive and foolish. We all have to prepare. Resilience is the essential preparation for what lies ahead, because life is and will be tough. So building resilience will be tough. And if it is not tough, then you are holding back. And if you hold back, you will be unprepared. I like this Bible quote from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, get ready. We are warned. In the same way, I want you to be prepared, not surprised. Don't numb it with alcohol or drugs. Don't distract yourself with social media and 30-second TikTok clips or ignore it. Go straight at it fully, completely, understand it, but do not run away from the work to be done. No complaints, just commit. Don't negotiate down to easier work. Seek what is hard. Okay, I think I've made my point. There is a concept in psychology referred to as grit. Yep, the same name as the famous movie. According to the American Psychological Association Dictionary of Psychology, grit is a personality characteristic that focuses on long-term goals by strenuously working to overcome challenges, maintaining effort and interest over time, despite failures, adversities, and plateaus in progress. 
You may have seen this tattoo before on a soldier or on an athlete. It says Philippians 4.13, and it refers to the quote, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That was written by the Apostle Paul. But to grasp the full meaning of the phrase, we need to see the preceding verses. It goes like this. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What gives this statement even more power is to know the Apostle Paul wrote this while he was chained in a Roman prison, probably a dark, filthy place infested with insects and rats. That phrase is meant to inspire us to build our strength for times of adversity. He was witnessing to the Philippians that he has seen good and bad, wealth and poverty, suffering and comfort. These extremes of experiences build fundamental attitudes that he would require to face the traumas ahead. His choice was between strength and weakness. In a world overflowing with troubles, he chose strength. Now, strength is an act of choice requiring a decision and a commitment to build on it. Weakness, on the other hand, can be an active or passive choice. You may actively choose weakness if you associate strength with past abuse and retreat into the shadows, avoiding anyone who may be perceived as a threat. You may react with fear around others who are strong and even reject encouragement or coaching. Another act of choice of weakness is arrogance. Arrogance can come in the form of self-pity, whereby we think we are past the breaking point and there is no use in trying. We have given up too early. Arrogance can also create a wall of stupidity as pride tricks us into thinking we are immune to trauma. We remain willfully ignorant and unprepared. But think of this. 70% of the population will be exposed to trauma in their lifetime. The odds of winning the Powerball lottery are 1 in 300 million. Where is your best investment? Go for strength. I've seen it too often in our increasingly soft society where folks don't build up their own strength. Rather, they spend their energy warning everyone else not to trigger them. It could stem from the soft childhood raised by the enabling helicopter parent shielding them from any stress. They want the rest of us to be responsible for their emotional reactions. Or perhaps this default into weakness results from having our own self-esteem beaten down by years of trauma and stress. When we live in weakness, however, we are more vulnerable, fragile, easily overwhelmed, and easily intimidated. We will respond with fear, avoidance, and insecurity to even mild stress. One thing is for sure, life was, is, and will be tough. In this world, you will have trouble, we are warned in John chapter 16. We have got to be prepared with strength or collapse under our weaknesses. So resilient strength has four components, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. The stronger we are in each, 
the stronger our resilience. Now, one particularly inspirational story of strength is from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Let me, let me give you a quick summary in case you don't remember. So this king, Nebuchadnezzar, made this lavish and gigantic golden idol, about 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. This was huge. He commanded all his political appointees to worship it or be thrown into the furnace to burn to death. Of course, wanting to keep their political appointments, these sniveling followers, all the yes-men, gladly bowed down. But three men stood out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and said, nope, we're not doing this idol worship thing. We're not bowing down to a golden statue, no matter how big it is. There's just one Lord and no one else. The unhappy king had a furnace where he would teach these guys a lesson. So Nebuchadnezzar had his people stoke the fire to increase the heat sevenfold. And then his guards tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw the three into the fire. Well, they survived. The king realized he made a big mistake and gave up his idol worship. But there is an important backstory. The original Hebrew names of the three and their meaning of these three are Hananiah, which means God is gracious, Mishael, which means who is like God, and Azariah, which means God has helped. Now, Nebuchadnezzar gave them new Babylonian names, thinking it's going to cause them to assimilate into Babylonian culture and forget their God and their traditions. That's where they got their names. Shadrach, which means commander of the moon god. Meshach, which means who is like the Babylonian god of the moon, Aku. And Abednego, meaning servant of Nebo, the Babylonian god of wisdom, who carried the tablets enshrining all the decrees of the gods. Think of these names changes like the way a bully gives you a demeaning nickname. The bully wants you to be weakened by the name. Of course, you know what? We do this to ourselves when we call ourselves failure or stupid. But Nebuchadnezzar's threats didn't work. The name changes didn't work. Their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual strength remained steadfast, preparing the way for their courage, faith, and trust needed to stand up to the fire. That is real resilience. Similarly... Saul, which was St. Paul's original Hebrew name, developed real strength of personal convictions early in his life. Though his name changed to Paul, which was the Roman name, he never lost his early strength. Paul survived all his physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual ordeals, but transformed them into sources of might he could control. Paul was beaten with rods three times, whipped 39 lashes five times to get him to stop his preaching. In Galatians, he even wrote of his battered and bruised body as if to proclaim he could not be hurt by mere humans when he said, From now on, let no one else cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. That's from Galatians 6, 17. Paul mastered strength over weakness, and he did it the hard way. He neither ran from nor sought suffering, but when it came, he embraced it. It's like the phrase I often hear from the Marines, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. There's a great sports story about building strength, and who doesn't like a good sports story? Corinth is a city on the isthmus connecting mainland Greece and the Peloponnese Peninsula. Corinth was a cosmopolitan place where goods were transported over this land shortcut. Entire ships were unloaded on one side, moved across the four-mile isthmus, and then reloaded onto another ship. 
It took less time and far less risk than sailing 200 miles around the peninsula through treacherous waters. Travelers would seek out local entertainment as they waited to get their goods moved. A major attraction was the Isthmian Games, which were held every two years drawing athletes and big crowds. Paul's skills as a tent maker were in demand for travelers needing tent repairs and lodging as they passed through Corinth. This gave Paul a front row seat to watch the athletes train for these games and catch up on the local news. The Isthmian Games included boxing, foot races, wrestling, and something called pancreation, which is similar to today's cage fighting only without a clock or rules or occasional severe injury and sometimes even death. In these contests, there were no bronze medals, no silver medals. You won or you lost, period. Here, Paul observed the strategies of champions to win, you have to prepare. And he said, Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. From 1 Corinthians 9. In other words, train to win. No exceptions, no slackers. Or as he says later, act like men, be strong. Let's talk about physical strength. You have to exercise. You have to work out to make things work out. You do not have to hit the gym every day, and you don't have to be a competitive muscle builder, but you need to spend a few half-hour to one-hour blocks of time every week doing some cardio and strength training. Our physical condition directly affects our brain condition. If your body is a slug, your brain is a slug. When we are grossly overweight, out of shape, lazy, and treat our body like trash, we inevitably harm both our physical and our mental health. Physical conditioning is absolutely essential for a strong foundation to deal with stress and trauma. Now, we may feel we're not worthy of better health. We resist self-improvement as self-punishment. We feel lethargic from weight gain or medications or our depression smacks down our drive. But our limitations exist more in our heads than our bodies. We must get up and move anyway. A lot of physically able people stick themselves to their couch with a super glue called excuses. I've also seen amputees trained to be marathon runners, swimmers, and mountain climbers. For example, the Warrior Games is an annual event of hundreds of disabled veterans and military who compete in rigorous sports. In many cities, 5-mile, 10-mile, and marathon races likely have several competitors recovering from a disability, disease, or disaster. If they can do it, you can do it. Our attitude about our fitness has a, something called an epigenetic effect. That is, our beliefs impact our behavior, which in turn can actually turn the dial up or down on the expression of our genetic characteristics. Now, some genetic characteristics are predetermined, such as eye color. In other cases, environmental factors and experiences can alter genetic expression of what's in the code. For example, our physical endurance is influenced but not completely determined by our individual genetic code our perceptions about our physical abilities can override the actual genetic blueprint. It truly is a case of mind over matter changing the matter. In one study, subjects ran on a treadmill to get a baseline of their abilities and then were told whether their genetic code gave them more or less endurance, which was referred to as something called genetic risk. However, 
They were not told their true genetic information. Rather, the information was randomly assigned to the participants. When subjects went back on the treadmill, endurance, which was measured by time on the treadmill, was influenced more by what runners believed they could do rather than their actual genetics. Those who thought they had the endurance gene ran farther and longer. But the change didn't stop there. The ones who believed they had the better endurance gene developed better lung capacity and more efficient removal of carbon dioxide from their lungs when compared with their pre-test results. Fitness in our brain. Recall our brains are making new cells daily. This is called neurogenesis, and it's particularly active in part of the brain called the hippocampus, which is where we deal with long-term and spatial memory, and also in the cerebellum, which is where we do coordination and muscle memory. As it turns out, moderate to vigorous physical activity is one of the best ways to stimulate neurogenesis, grow your brain. Exercise also activates a specific gene, which in turn promotes growth in another part of the brain called the dendritic spine, which is the connection between cells. And aerobic fitness also improves our thinking skills, our cognitive abilities, especially when done in conjunction with a healthy diet. And how about this? Better cardiorespiratory capacity and muscle strength are associated with better academic scores among children and adolescents. Fitness and mood. Chronic stress or trauma characteristically leaves us feeling tired, afraid, and unmotivated. We interpret that low motivation and fatigue as permanent and debilitating symptoms. We can and must take action to shake us out of that lethargy. Multiple studies have shown us that movement changes mood. For example, a seven-year prospective study found those with lower aerobic and muscle strength are almost twice as likely to experience depression. Fitness and the immune system. Stress damages our immune system and people who are chronically ill have a higher incidence of depression and those with depression and anxiety get ill more often. Illness becomes one more reason we can't get up, can't get to work, can't socialize with others. Traumatic events involving physical accidents, assaults, natural disasters, and combat demand our physical strength. We need to be ready to fight back. If we have to run from an attacker, carry our child out of rising floodwaters, or pull our family out of an overturned car before it catches fire, we never, ever, ever want to look back with regret and think, if only I had more strength, I could have done more. But strength is more than just building muscle. Stress takes a toll on our body, requiring physical health and stamina. When we are frightened, our heart races, we may hyperventilate, adrenaline surges, and our muscles tense. Being in physical shape prepares us physically for these sudden, intense demands. First responders often describe their day as 90% quiet boredom and 10% terror. When the alarm sounds at the fire station, the sudden adrenaline rush and the leap from rest to high-tempo action can be a killer for firefighters in poor physical shape. In fact, most firefighter fatalities are not due to smoke inhalation, burns, building collapses, or accidents on the way to the fire. The killers are heart attacks and strokes before, during, and after emergencies. These heroes are trained and experienced at handling emergencies, but the roller coaster of stress takes a toll on their bodies. The better their physical condition, the greater their physical resilience during a traumatic event and as we recover. And this requires strength training. Even if we escape actual harm in a traumatic event, there is a rush of stress hormones and accompanying muscle tension. 
The classic day after recovery leaves us physically exhausted and with aching muscles. The soreness may keep us from going to work or carrying on with our activities for days, adding to our isolation and depression while we recover. The only way to build up our physical strength is to build up our physical strength. Resilience requires it. Don't be intimidated. Choose to build strength. Emotional strength. In my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD, I tell the story of a family I worked with at Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. I have a particularly fond memory of a boy named Jordan and his family who had multiple hospital stays during a long fight against cancer. I had moved on to another job and had not seen them for a few years, but ran into the parents one day at the store and asked about their son. They told me Jordan had died a few months earlier. I couldn't help but start to choke up and said, I'm so sorry. The mother smiled and said, please don't feel bad. All of this was the best thing that ever could have happened to us. He made us into a family. We are closer than ever and continue to be close, all because of him. What is the source of such emotional strength? Well, life is full of disappointments, heartbreaks, and hurt. Life is also filled with times of glorious joy, beauty, and love. Experience builds our strength if done correctly. We don't develop strength if these experiences are tangles of loose threads, but experiences are made strong when they're braided together like a rope. Or in Ecclesiastes, it refers to them as a threefold cord. It's not broken quickly. Similarly, our emotional resilience is strengthened as we learn from our successes and our failures. We may want a stress-free life, but A, that is not going to happen on this planet, and B, absence of stress does not build emotional resilience. In fact, the easy life destroys resilience. For example, watch the child raised by permissive parents who made sure Junior was given every reward regardless of whether or not it was earned, or was never told no or told you have to work to get your allowance. Helicopter parents hover over children blaming the teacher who dared to give Johnny or Jane the well-deserved D grade for not completing the work or calling the coach horrible names for not putting their child in the game or worse yet, micromanaging every aspect of their child's life so much that their child does not build confidence in their own decision-making. We should never be doing for children what they can do for themselves. These overprotected kids get easily overwhelmed with any stress in college. Now we see that the rates of reported anxiety in college are climbing. 30% of college students complain of overwhelming anxiety, and over half say they sometimes feel too depressed to function. Campus mental health centers suggest students be offered a course in basic life skills, such as how to make friends, how to manage relationships, how to solve problems, and how to make decisions. It makes me wonder... How does a student get to be 18 and still not know how to make friends or decisions? In their very attempt to protect their children from stress, these parents have done something to make it worse. Without resilient emotional strength, many young adults become angry, depressed, demanding, self-centered, and emotionally brittle. By the way, it got even worse during the COVID lockdown. Rates of depression and anxiety among teens and young adults doubled. Suicide rates climbed, drug overdoses, and drug overdose death rates soared. Suicide is now the number two cause of death among adolescents and young adults. We are not at war 
we are not starving, but we do not have the emotional strength to deal with everyday problems. Resilient strength grows when we confront our troubles, not cower. A ship is safe in a harbor, but that's not what ships are built for, observed John Shedd. And the more resilient our emotional strength, the better our resistance to stress and trauma. We have a choice. We can see stress through the eyes of doubt and doom ourselves to emotional feebleness, or we can see each wound as an opportunity to develop the confidence of emotional toughness. Johann Goethe said, talent develops in tranquility, character in the full current of human life. Experience in the full current of human life is an invaluable teacher for all of us. Paul built his emotional strength by focusing on the payoff, not the pain. He said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He said that in Romans 8. Our own suffering is far more manageable when we release ourselves from the misery of the moment and view our emotional strains as temporary. Even in St. Paul's final days before his beheading, he wrote a letter to his student Timothy encouraging him to stay emotionally strong in the face of fear. He said, Now let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid. He gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control. That's from 2 Timothy 1. Those are inspiring words from a man facing imminent death. Paul did not give in to emotional weakness even after decades of suffering and a looming death sentence. Paul was in control rather than was controlled by his emotions. Pretty remarkable. Copy him. To defend against the threats, do as Paul did. Prepare your emotional strength rather than dwell in despair. Surround yourself with friends who will reinforce attitudes of strength. Avoid people who will pull you down into weakness. And if you're not inspired and growing your emotional strength from talking to one person, go to another and another. We are all on a journey of emotional growth, and many are just not able to teach you. But I guarantee you, there are those who can help. Keep searching. Oh, and please do not share your plights openly on social media. You will not develop emotional strength from the groupthink world of anonymous attacks by those with their own hateful insecurities and lack of mature insight. Proverbs 18.2 says this, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, delight in airing their own opinions. Mental strength. Mental toughness is our ability to maintain a sharp mind under pressure with the wisdom to think beyond experience. The weak mind is susceptible to mistakes and will have a difficult time making rational decisions under even slight pressure. Humorous cowboy Will Rogers said it well. He said, good judgment comes from experience and a lot of that experience comes from bad judgment. Best to try to avoid the route of learning from bad judgment if we can. The best way to build the level of mental toughness we will need under pressure is to actively rehearse mental toughness under pressure. Otherwise, our brain creates stronger connections with the amygdala's fear center at the cost of diminished use of the higher order thinking of the front of our brain, the frontal lobe. Soldiers, police, elite athletes all understand the value of practicing under pressure to build resilience. Even those who live in poverty or in an abusive home may develop resilient strength despite the ongoing high stress, especially if they have supportive friends and family. 
So stay mentally engaged every day. Pick something you already know and challenge yourself to learn something more about it every day. You can watch TED Talks, take a course, read, work on a hobby. Make sure it involves thinking and problem solving. It has to be more challenging than just doing a web search. Keep your mind sharp when life is calm. You will need it when you are stressed. And the fourth area is spiritual strength. Paul warned us, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. From 1 Corinthians. Spiritual strength prevents us from succumbing to evil temptations. When we are mentally, physically, and emotionally weak, we are much more likely to give in and give up. Spiritual strength can carry us through the toughest of times. Do not neglect it. Paul challenged others as he challenged himself, saying, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds and take every thought captive. That's from 2 Corinthians. Listen to that line. By making every thought captive, spiritual strength is the force multiplier, building resilience in our mind, in our heart, in our body for the battles ahead. By the way, it really helps when you log your challenges and growth in a personal journal. You don't have to do it forever, but see if you can make a note of them for two weeks, maybe longer. Review where you were, where you are, and gain insight into where you are going. Do not underestimate the power to learn from your own journal. Paul's letters are exactly that. Each letter to the Romans, Corinthians, Philippians, or Timothy is Paul's own detailed journey of his emotional growth. He learned as he wrote, and he wrote as he learned. Do the same. Doing all of these things will better prepare you the next time tragedy or big stresses hit, and they will. Then you will have more confidence and resilience to find the answer to, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future podcasts or blogs, please send them to me through my website, drtimmurphy.com. And please share my website with your family and friends. I'd love to hear from you. You can find more information about trauma in my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD, available through my website or wherever books are sold. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. I look forward to speaking with you next time.